1: Good morning, my name is Jason, and I will be your conference operator today. At this time, I would like to welcome everyone to the Agnico Eagle Third Quarter Results 2020 Conference Call. All lines have been placed on mute to prevent any background noise. After the speaker's remarks, there will be a question and answer session. If you would like to ask a question during this time, simply press star, then the number one on your telephone keypad. If you would like to withdraw your question, please press the pound key. Thank you. Mr. Sean Boyd, you may begin your conference.
2: Thank you, Operator, and uh, good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us this morning for our 2020 third quarter operating results. Before we begin, I just want to uh, refer you to our cautionary statement on forward-looking statements because this presentation will will have forward-looking statements in it. Um, before we get into the numbers, I just wanted to um, sort of put it in context and, and sort of connect uh, what we've been working on into sort of our strategic focus and how we see things moving forward. Certainly when you look at the press release, you can see the impact of, of um, rising production into these gold price environments and what that has on earnings, impact on earnings and cash flow and, and free cash flow. So that's certainly a major highlight uh, for us as we get our production uh, back into the 480 to 500,000 ounce per quarter range. Uh, and it's from this base uh, that we'll be able to uh, steadily grow the production over the next several years. So that's clearly important, and that's what we're here to do is generate those returns uh, for our shareholders. But also in this release, um, which is just as important from a value creation standpoint, is the unfolding exploration story, which we've been talking about for several quarters as we're seeing a lot of life left in some of our mature mining camps. So many of our existing mines uh, we're showing that these deposits will likely to continue to grow and continue to add uh, high-quality ounces uh, at these operations, and this has important implications uh, for our longer-term production profile as we sort of begin to look out over the next 10 years with a view to growing above the 2 million ounce mark and sustaining uh, that production level above 2 million ounces for an extended period of time. So. Uh, In this presentation, we'll talk about some of the key projects, Um, and uh, I think it's important to note that because of these results, we'll also be increasing our, we have increased our our drill programs, and we're going to have a a more significant increase in our exploration uh, budgets and drill programs as we move into next year, because we're still in the process you know, As we get into the slide presentation, you'll see we're still in the process of ranking our projects on a relative basis so that we can effectively allocate the capital uh, to those projects. Um, the important thing for us is to continue to steadily grow and do it in a way where we're generating free cash flow. So that's why it's critical for us to rank them and stage them and invest in them over time and uh, not increase the risk level by piling projects on top of projects and eating up all the net free cash flow. So that's an important part of our story. And we'll connect some of those dots in the presentation. Uh, the other aspect here is the dividend. Um, so we've seen a 75% increase in the dividend. It's now 35 cents a quarter, $1.40 on an annual basis. That's approximately in total dollars, about $340 million uh, per year. Um, The dividend increase is not uh, solely based on higher uh, gold prices, uh, but also uh, we factored in our ability to continue to grow the output from the current levels. If you look at uh, sort of assume an average of production over the next several years of between 2.1 and 2.2 million ounces, that works out to $160 an ounce um, in terms of dividend payment on an annual production basis. So that's very manageable for us as we've invested heavily in the business and now we're in that harvesting stage uh, one more thing on the uh, on, on sort of the dividend and the philosophy there and i think the industry's positioning itself well it's certainly been uh, good to see uh, companies that eliminated dividends six or seven years ago reinstating them now it's certainly good to see from an industry perspective companies growing dividends i think we've As an industry, heard our owners um, saying we want a return of capital. Um, We've certainly been there for many years. Um, As you know, we started to pay a dividend back in 1983, and we've paid one every year since then. But it wasn't just the fact that um, we were able to pay that dividend over that 37-year period. By paying that dividend, Um, we didn't pay a dividend, and as a result of paying that dividend and maintaining that track record, it didn't uh, take money away from our ability to invest in our business over time. And so if we reflect on why we've been successful, we've been successful because um, we've identified high-quality projects early. Uh, We put money to work uh, early. Uh, We drilled those projects. Um, and we realized on that geological potential. So effectively what we've done is we've taken geological risk, and we've kept the other risks in our business low, and what we've also done is kept the share count low. So the idea was to uh, ensure that over time, when we had the ability to pay a dividend and return cash to our shareholders, we did, and we made it a priority. But while we were doing that, that wasn't just good enough. Uh, What we were also uh, more focused on is ensuring the business was strong in a way where we were adding uh, ounces uh, cheaply, uh, using our in-house mine building skills to turn those growing deposits into meaningful parts of our business. And while we kept our share count low, uh, we were able to uh, uh, put up above average share price returns to our shareholders. So uh, really what we're trying to say is that's been a very effective strategy uh, for us because it's been well matched to our skills uh, as we said it's been proven that it works and it's worked over several decades so the message here is we'll continue to follow that plan as we move forward um, because of how it works and how effective it's been and the one other point before I get into the details is to just to note that we've had, some uh, really um, prestigious acknowledgements on the safety side here. So our teams are uh, have done an excellent job and have been recognized uh, for that work. So let's move into the presentation and uh, we'll get into some of the details. Uh, we talked a little bit about the summary. Um, we always expected that the second half would be much stronger. Uh, we can see that in Q3, so we expect uh, a solid second half in terms of our ability to produce gold where we expected to produce it, but also to generate the free cash flow uh, at these uh, gold price levels. So we've maintained our production and cost guidance, we've maintained our uh, longer-term guidance that's unchanged. Uh, As we said, um, we're producing roughly at a run rate of close to 2 million ounces, and we expect given our pipeline and what we're seeing our assets to be able to go above that. Uh, we still have to decide how we're going to build those projects in terms of scheduling and relative ranking. Uh, as we said, we're working on that. But a big piece to how we're going to make those assessments is really on the exploration side. And as we said at the start, um, there's still more work to do. We've seen some really good results, which are suggesting that we can extend mine life, you know, add ounces in the mine plan, um, which is important. Um, and we'll get into some of those Um, ideas uh, in this presentation on the back of a higher exploration budget as we move into next year. As we said, on the gold production side, we produced over 490,000 ounces at a cash cost of $764 per ounce. There's still more work to do on the cost side. Um, We believe we can do better uh, next year, Uh, so we're expecting to see some improvements on that side. As we said, there's no change uh, to our 2020 guidance or our longer-term uh, production guidance. That remains the same. We did uh, decide to spend a bit more in the closing months here in 2020 to position the business going forward, uh, adding about um, $40 if you take the midpoint of that range, and that's being spent uh, at Ketala, to accelerate uh, that expansion program at Amaroop. We had stopped the underground program We're restarting the underground program. We stopped it uh, in the first half, uh, largely around COVID and the fact that we had to go to minimum activities there. And we're actually um, purchasing pipe uh, for the uh, water line that we expect to have permitted uh, next year at uh, Mel So uh, we thought that was smart to do in terms of being able to position uh, the business forward. And we've talked about the dividend COVID. um, Clearly important, our our teams responded, as you know, we've talked about this before, responded well uh, in Q2, uh, principally in getting testing up and running early, an effective testing system uh, in addition to the other protocols. Um, So that certainly helped us position Uh, the business and make the case to the authorities that we could operate safely. And as a result, as you know, we were able to get our minds up and running in Quebec and Mexico earlier than had uh, been suggested by the government's uh, shutdowns. Um, And I think the real question is, is, you know, how is the business and how is the industry positioned now where we're seeing rising case counts and rising case counts in in some of the areas uh, where we're operating? Uh, What we're doing is we're expanding testing. Uh we have two labs going now. We're adding another lab, another lab in Quebec, in the Val d'Or area, so testing's been effective. We're looking at uh, changing when we test to test uh, uh, for a period before people, the workers show up uh, for their transportation to site. We think that's important, um, because sometimes they're asymptomatic, may not test positive, may test positive a day later, when they're at the site uh, which has happened but we've been successfully able to isolate employees in those instances and avoid spread within the workforce which is important i think the other thing that's um, important for a second wave is the way that the business is positioned not just ignico but the industry and i think the industry has made a strong case to the authorities that not only can we operate safely but we're clearly economic engines in those regions where we operate and you can just see based on the profitability on the third quarter results from our peers and ourselves that um, these companies bring a lot of uh, benefits to the region. And given the profitability, in most instances, we'll be paying lots of taxes, which the governments are looking for. So there's a strong case to be made. And one other point here is that um, everybody knows that in Nunavut, the communities are particularly susceptible to uh, the virus. And um, back in March, we were, Uh, One of the approaches we took was to ensure that we separated our business from the community so that there'd be no transmission as we were bringing people up from the south to the north. Even though we were testing, we wanted to be extra careful. Uh, Unfortunately, the Inuit workforce is still at home. Uh, They're very important to us. Uh, We're focused on getting everybody back, but only when we can ensure the safety of the communities. And right now that... um, we can't do that. We continue and we are in continuing dialogue with the government of Nunavut, with the public health authorities in Nunavut to understand the uh, best way to bring them all back to work. Uh, that will happen. We're just not sure when. Uh, we're bearing the cost of that for the quarter was $3.7 million. Um, we'll be patient because it's the right thing to do. Um, Also on COVID, which is in our cost per ounce, is about $6 an ounce, largely due to additional testing and the additional protocols. Uh, So I I just want to mention one more point on the Nunavut workforce. What we've done to keep them engaged and to assist the communities who are in need of help is we've actually brought um, many employees back to work, not at the mine. They're actually working in the communities for community agencies. Uh, They're doing things like cleaning up waste, uh, fill sites. Uh, They're working in daycares, they're working in community centers. And when they do that, we know if one of our Inuit workers is at home, they get 75% of their pay. Um, If we can find a way that we can get them engaged in the community, we'll pay them 100% to keep them active and engaged, but also to give back uh, to the communities that we partner with and operate in as far as gold production uh, looking forward we're forecasting about a 24 percent increase out through 2022 Um, our focus is uh, not only on executing that but understanding uh, what comes in beyond that and as we said we're still doing the relative ranking on which projects we're focused on we'll talk a little bit about them we know about the kittal expansion we've made major uh progress uh, there um it's going to cost us a little bit more because we got delayed there uh, with covid we had to send all the shaft sinkers back home to canada so it cost us uh, four months or so there uh, which is increasing some of the costs meliating phase two is underway amber underground we talked about the restart of that and odyssey east malarctic i'll talk about that in a minute uh, but there's an opportunity there in the early stages as we've begun the ramp to bring up some development ore up, up in the ramp Um, We're also focused in this context as we look at the production profile out in the out years, 2027 to 2032, and part of that is this increased drill program to help us convert resource at existing mines into reserves so we can put those ounces in the mine plan, which is really focused around how we can Um, not only go above above 2 million ounces, but sustain it for a longer period of time. Uh, So that's where our team is focused on. Uh, Just talking a little bit more in detail about exploration. I talked about Kitsula from an expansion point of view. um, uh, We've got the permits to be at 2 million tons a year. Um, We're moving to 2 million tons a year. We've commissioned uh, the plant. Things have gone uh, well there, but what we've also seen recently is an extension of the Caesar zone. So the Caesar zone is a zone that's parallel to our main zone. We continue to intersect that zone outside of the known outline, and that could be important as we move forward because it's an additional source of ore for us, and it's growing in size. So we're focused on what is the next level above 2 million tons per year? Is it 2.4? Is it 2.5? A lot of this drilling on the Cesar Zone will tell us whether we have um, uh, additional sources of ore to increase the mining rate. So that's how we are focused on adding value uh, at the Kitula mine in Finland. I'll skip over Canadian Malartic on the slide for a minute and talk about La Ronde. Uh, La Ronde, um, the focus there, we can see at depth uh, as we mine the west zone, we're getting an upgrading. Uh, in that West zone. So the Laron mine's been in production for over 30 years. We're seeing some of the best grades in terms of volume we've seen in that 30 year history. And we also have a lot of ex- have had a lot of exploration success. We see the reappearance of a zinc zone. Uh, the recent drilling has been deeper on that zinc zone. The gold grades have got better. The NSR values are very high here. Uh, what we're trying to do is figure out how big it is, uh, but it's close to infrastructure. Uh, that'll be part of the increase in exploration budget to understand the size. It would certainly open up a lot of flexibility in the lower mine and extend the mine life. And also at Moran, we're focused on the old Bousquet property, now known as LZ5, and there's a whole package of felsic rocks that um, the previous owners, Barrick and Lack, never drilled. Uh, the mine was shut down due to gold prices ahead of that, and uh, that opens up. Uh, entirely new exploration front for us and for Laurent, so we need to understand what that opportunity is. At Kirkland Lake, I think we we know and have concluded it's a buildable project. The question is when? When does it fit in? Uh, There's still more work to do. We continue to get good drill results. It's got low cash costs because it's got a copper credit there. It's a unique uh, deposit for that part of of Ontario, Uh, but it's well situated. Uh, We like it because it's a 45-minute drive from Bruon, which is where we have a good part of our workforce live. Uh, So there's a natural fit there. um, And we're working on the study and hope to have it completed um, by the end of uh, 2021. Canadian Malarctic, it's getting a lot of attention as it should. Um, It's really moved up the depth chart uh, in terms of potential uh, over the last two years, largely on the back of East Goldie, because what East Goldie does is it uh, gives us another a fairly large source of ore, which is thicker and much better grade than what we see in other parts of the underground in the Odyssey and East Malardic areas. So it's changed the complexion of that opportunity, largely because we can now look at it as a much larger underground mining scenario. And what it has the potential to do is significantly extend the mine life. Uh, And so there's work to do. It's still early. Um, It's not a slam dunk uh, by any means, but I think our confidence level is high there because of our experience of almost 50 years in that region. Uh, 50 years of successfully building and operating underground mines. So we know what these things look like. We know what they feel like. Uh, we know what to do with them uh, when we see them. Uh, back in 2014, when we sort of stepped into the, the hostile takeover, uh, part of our thesis was that there was a pretty good chance that there was an underground opportunity here, and it looks like there is. And so we've put our best people uh, to help and work with the Canadian Malartic team and with our partners in Yamana to sort it all out. Uh, the news flow will be an updated resource uh, in February, as well as a preliminary economic assessment, which will outline our thinking on a shaft. It needs a shaft. Um, I think you can take from our uh, decision to advance the ramp. We're confident that we have an underground scenario here. Um, we just uh, need to continue to drill it. We need to improve the confidence level around the resource. We need to understand uh, how big it is. Uh, but we also now, uh, given where East Goldie is located in a package of rocks which previously didn't really, it wasn't really known to have a lot of potential. Uh, we've got over 20 kilometers of coverage now of that favorable rock package. So clearly, it's a regional play now as well as. Um, Uh, a play around the immediate vicinity of the mine. So when you add all those things up, these are telling us that these traditional camps have a lot more life left in them. And I think what it means to us is uh, as we look at external opportunities, we continue to look because we're always focused on the pipeline as we look on out beyond five years. That's how we built this business. That's where Kittula came from. That's where Pinos Altos came from. That's where Meadowbank and Meliadine came from. Uh, That's where India came from with that type of theory. We talked about the strategy at the top. That's what we're going to continue to do, look for those. But we also need to be able to understand what we already own at existing mines to make those relative comparisons, so that's an important part. Um, I'm not going to go through each individual mine slide. They're they're in the deck. I won't get that far because we want to open it up for questions. I know Newmont's uh, coming up uh, at the top of the hour, but I'll just use the slide on the operating results to touch on on some of the mines, uh, and then I'll talk about some of the financial results, and then we'll open it up for questions. Uh, I'll start with LaRonde, and LaRonde, um, although it's been in production for 30 years, it just keeps going. It's one of these things that, uh, um, and it's not an easy mine. So I think we have to give our team credit for, I listened to a presentation a couple of weeks ago from the LaRon team, and when you add in everything they're dealing with there, it's a really complex business onto itself and it's more complex because they're dealing at depth, but they're also dealing with exploration opportunities and how that fits in. Uh, The site's located in the community. Um, So there's lots of things to worry about, but here they are continuing to open up the lower part of the mine. We're getting an upgrade in the west mine. We're getting tonnage from the other parts of the deposit. Uh, We have opportunities at LZ5. Uh, We're using more automation, uh, which is going to be extremely important as we go forward. And the end result of all that is a quarter where they produced about 100,000 ounces at cash costs of $476 an ounce. So it's still, after all these years, is an important contributor uh, uh, to our operation. Part of that success is the vision that the team had several years ago to take the old Bousquet property, which we paid Barrick $7 Canadian in cash for almost 15 years ago, and uh, use it as a test case for automation but also use it as a way that we can extract some of the resources that were left there and part of the strategy going forward there's a lot more ounces there there's several hundreds of thousands of ounces more that are not in our mine plan and there's exploration opportunities in that felsic package of rocks that we need to understand so that will continue to be the focus going forward Um, so exploration is key although the mine continues to generate extremely strong cash flows and not only do we have opportunities to the west as we look at the old neighbouring ground that we now own, but also uh, to the east of our deposit uh, when we see the potential in the base metal zone. Uh, Gold X, we talked about safety awards. Gold X was uh, awarded the F.J. O'Connell Trophy by the Quebec Mining Association for Excellence in Health and Safety, so congratulations uh, to the Gold X team. Also in September, they had the highest throughput uh, since the mine restarted back in 2013. Um, So they continue to get good drill results at depth in the south zone. Uh, So it's still an important contributor um, to the company. Uh, Canadian Malarctic also awarded an F.J. O'Connell Award in the open pit category uh, by the Quebec Mining Association for Excellence in Health and Safety. So that's a big mine. Uh, That's a big mine that requires uh, regular overhauls of the plant where you'll have 800 to 1,000 contractors running around in a week. And so a lot of people in a confined space and they're clearly doing it safely. So uh, I think that's a good example of how effective uh, that team uh, there is. They had record uh, monthly tonnage milled in August. Uh, So uh, coming back from the shutdown uh, in Q2 with COVID, they've done an extremely good job. Uh, Barnat reached commercial production at the end of uh, September. Uh, So slightly ahead of schedule with our mining activities there. Um, The uh, project we mentioned, uh, the underground, we started the ramp. uh, So I think that's a a really good sign. And we talked about um, the expanded drilling and the potential for East Gold Lake. At Kitsala, as we said, uh, we're commissioning the expanded mill that's ongoing now. Uh, We completed the tie-in from September, late September to uh, the third week in October, Uh, so that's a good thing. Um, As we said, the shaft uh, project was delayed because we had to send uh, the contract workers back home to Canada, so there'll be a delay in the construction, uh, not a delay on the other side of the expansion in the plant because we kept working on that uh, because we used our our employees in Finland and more local contractors that could actually uh, operate and move uh, in the country. Uh, so, still producing over 50,000 ounces, uh, but with the ability to expand and go higher with exploration potential as we continue to look at that. At Meadowbank, uh, Meadowbank was important from the perspective that uh, we achieved our planned target of over 100,000 tons a day of ore and waste. Uh, so that was critical. We struggled to get there, as you know. Uh, we struggled to get there because of um, uh, Backlog and maintenance, which affected equipment availability, uh, so we are able to achieve uh, that tonnage in Q3. Um, we're also focused on the long-haul trucking. We've added uh, more vehicles. We received on the barge three in the third uh, quarter, uh, so that'll give us some flexibility uh, in that aspect of the business, which is important uh, for us. Um, the IVR pit development, uh, has been accelerated we mentioned we've uh, restarted the underground ramp for the underground program i think which is also important for the future of of that deposit and as we go forward over the next several quarters we should see an improvement in the strip ratio there uh, at the deposit because the early part of the production there was near surface lower grade higher strip ratio so the mining uh, conditions uh, should improve as we go forward there Uh, meliodine we had record production there, uh, about 96,000 ounces, uh, good cost performance. Uh, so they've had also a successful uh, ramp up uh, from Q2 and being reduced uh, down uh, to minimum activities. Uh, so the focus there uh, going forward is to continue to steadily ramp up our, our throughput and production rate over the next several quarters uh, as we move into 2021 and take advantage. Of the better grades that we're seeing as we open up the new mining horizon uh, that started in Q3 of, of 2020, and we've begun overburden stripping at Chiriganyac, so a lot of that expansion work and adding additional uh, reserves into the mine plan is ongoing. We continue to do conversion drilling at the Discovery Satellite deposit, uh, which should add to the reserve position there at the end of the year in Mexico. We continue to move and develop the center deposit to uh, help out at Pinos Altos. We also see some good drill results at the Cabiro deposit, which we think is going to be important for Pinos Altos in terms of accessing good grade material in the vicinity of the existing infrastructure. So it's important uh, for them there. Uh, the next slide is Creston uh Really, a thank you to Creston Uh an open pit that added some really good quality production uh, for our. Uh, business in Mexico, uh, very close to the Pinos Altos mine. It's now winding down. It's just in the leach uh, position now where we're just getting the residues off the, the heat leeches going into next year. So uh, just a thank you to the team there for doing an exceptional job over a number of years and adding value to our business in Mexico. At La India, um, another safety award. Uh, La India, for the third year in a row, was recognized by the Mexican Chamber of Commerce. Uh, for their health and safety award. So they won the Silver Helmet Award. And what we're looking at at La India, we're drilling, um, uh, infill drilling, and extending the Chipriona deposit. That will allow us, we feel, to extend the mine life uh, at La India. So the focus really in Mexico continues to be on taking advantage of near vicinity deposits to the infrastructure, and also working on Santa Gertrudis and some other uh, uh, opportunities that we see in Mexico. Uh, so moving off the site uh, quickly to the financial highlights, we can see that our earnings uh, were strong, but we're focused really on the operating cash flow per share, which was $1.90. So we can see the impact that uh, increasing production, being able to maintain costs, and delivering into this high gold price environment has on our ability to generate cash, not only cash from operations, but also free cash flow, as we look forward to keep a a lid on our our capital spend by staging out projects and and building them over time and not being in a hurry is a real focus. Uh, Moving to financial position, uh, as we entered the quarter, we had about 250 million uh, drawn under a credit line. That's been now paid as we expected it would be. Uh, So nothing drawn on the credit line and we ended the quarter with 322 million in cash. So strong cash position, Uh, coming out of the quarter. And I'll just end with the dividend slide. I think what we see there is the progression since 2014. Um, We were confident in our business, even when gold was $1,200. uh, We didn't eliminate the dividend. Uh, Some others were were, were having to uh, based on their positioning. We were in a better position, so we didn't. But we uh, uh, were confident that we could increase it uh, every year Uh, after that reduction. And that was largely in a period where gold wasn't doing much it was sort of between 1050 and and 1250 Um, and we were spending a lot in 2017 and 18 and none of it and we were still increasing the dividend and as we said it's been a big part of our history and we're comfortable increasing it again uh, to the level of 35 cents a a quarter Uh, and so one of the things for us it's really about balance And so we've highlighted the dividend, but I think more importantly, we've highlighted the fact that we can pay that dividend and still invest uh, and continue to invest in our quality projects to improve uh, the value in the business while we keep the share count down. So on that operator, I'd like to open it up, uh, open the line up for questions.
1: Certainly at this time, I would like to remind everyone in order to ask a question, please press star, then the number one on your telephone keypad. We will pause for just a moment to compile the Q&A roster. Your first question comes from the line of Fahad Tariq from Credit Suisse. Your line is open.
3: Hey, good morning. Thanks for taking my questions. Um, just first, as you think about the you know, upcoming reserve update, um, you know, is it fair to say that this will be a year of depletion, reserve replacement, reserve growth? It, it sounds like next year is really when you're going to, the higher exploration spend and maybe maybe more reserve growth, so I'm just trying to get a sense of what this year is shaping up to be.
2: Yeah, we haven't uh, finalized uh, that number. Uh, we do sort of a internal mid-year run. Um, there's still some projects we're updating studies on, there's still some drilling that we're doing. I think we're hopeful we can maintain uh, where we were. Uh, maybe a little bit of growth, uh, but we still haven't done uh, the numbers
3: we're still working on that. Okay, no problem. Um and the only other question I had was it, it, I was looking at the COVID case data and it looks like uh, you know the vast majority of the cases I think 75% are in Mexico. Are there any specific health and safety protocols that you have in place there to try to mitigate that and um from a financial perspective is there a higher cost that we should expect there? Thanks.
2: Um, I'll, I'll just give you um, sort of a general response, and then Mark uh, Lago is here, uh, and he can provide some color. Um, unfortunately, the situation in northern Mexico where we operate are there, there are a lot of cases in the big population centers, and we're drawing on uh, our workforce in some of those big population centers. And um, so we've had to adjust the protocol because although we do testing, um, sometimes the testing isn't 100% accurate. So sometimes we're finding that um, we do have someone that appears on site but doesn't have it, and a day or two later may uh, report with symptoms and then uh, show a positive test. Uh, So what we've been able to do is is isolate very effectively uh, when that does happen, so we uh, limit the spread, and we haven't seen extensive spread. Uh, But we've had to change some things in the big population centers. Uh, What we were finding is that uh, some of the employees to get to the pickup point were taking public transit. And so now we pick them up. Um, And so it seems simple. We probably should have been doing that before. Uh, There's lots to manage here, but um, so that's one of the things we're doing. We're looking at getting a better testing uh, system there as well. Uh, We we don't have the testing to the level we have it in in Canada, uh, unfortunately. We'd certainly like to bring what we have in Canada down there, but it's a different country, so it's not as easy as you'd hope it would be. Um, But we're trying to mobilize testing resources in Mexico that can improve the accuracy of the testing. Um, So those would be the additional protocols. It doesn't add a lot to the cost structure. Uh, I think what's important is to ensure that uh, the mine isn't contributing to spread uh, and the other side of that equation is the mine is actually in those regions in the best position to provide logistics and support to the communities uh, because of our own medical facilities and medical personnel that are there that aren't there from the community. So our team has done a lot of work there uh, providing uh, that, and the government's really appreciative of those efforts. So uh, that's what we've been doing there. Mark uh, is signaling that I've covered it pretty well. So um, that. Uh, that's why I listen to those calls. I actually pick some of that stuff up.
3: Thank you. That's that's clear. Thank you.
1: Your next question comes from the line of Josh Wolfson from RBC Capital Markets. Your line is open.
4: Thank you very much. Um, with regards to the Odyssey PEA, I guess the phrasing in the release does make it focus on, on that asset and the comment about synergies from the other deposits. Um you know, I'm just trying to understand what, what is going to be the focus of this study. Will it include uh, what, the, what the, I guess, full expectations are for eSchoolD? Will it include some of the open paid extension? Um, you know, just kind of what, what are the high-level sort of uh,
3: ideas for this?
2: Yeah, I'll just uh, – Dominic's got some uh, detail on that. But uh, I, I think um, we know um, that we're going to have to make a call on this project uh, on resource and we're not gonna have it all buttoned down on a reserve. And that's why we're tightening up the drill spacing to improve the confidence level of the resource. Um, So we know that's a given. Uh, um, So as we move forward, I think the focus now is to understand uh, the next stage outside of the ramp, which is the shaft. So that will be the big part of that. And then how does that tie into the existing processing facility? But Dominic is gonna provide a bit more color and detail on the expectations for what's in that study.
5: Yeah, the study is going to include and integrate uh, different uh, core body, including uh, East, uh, Marathek, ODC, and the, the new one, East Goldie. Uh, We're studying those ones since a while, but now uh, with the addition of East Goldie, it's a game-changer with the project, and uh, that's going to be all, all included, as well as uh, what what else is remaining into the fit. Uh, the team is looking, for example, at Barnab. Uh, how could we extend a bit uh, the fit there? So that might add reserve uh, at the end of the year, uh, but this is also part of the part of the equation. Uh, we have the meal, we have the pit, and now we have a new a new project. How could we close or fill more the gap with the, uh, between both of them?
2: Yeah, I think that's important, Josh, um, because it's still not clear to us how that potential production gap gets filled in. Um, but we've experienced that before, and none of it. And we didn't sort of panic and, and rush melidine. We actually slowed it down a year. Um, so we've got to really put all of our collective experience together uh, with the Millardic team, both human and eco, on you know what can be done at the Millardic uh, pit side, um, and also what can we do in terms of the project side. Uh, but we, what we don't want to do is we don't want to sort of cut corners and rush it because this is probably 15 to 20 years of high-quality production that's sitting there. We're just trying to sort it out now. So the worst thing we could do is try to jam it just to fill in 6 to 12 months, whatever it could be. Uh, the focus will be on the quality of the project.
4: Go ahead. Go ahead. Just just so I understand, it doesn't sound like the production would go to zero, I think, uh, you know, because the ramp production would come earlier, is that correct?
2: Yes, that's correct. But it depends on, you know, the the question will be, what is the quantities of of what we can access from the ramp? And the challenge with the ramp is, it's only going to give us access to the lower grade parts of that whole underground scenario. But the gravy, the the really good stuff, the thick stuff, the much better grade stuff, is deeper in East Goldie.
4: Got it. and then, second question: In terms of the dividend level going forward, uh, you know, we saw a major increase uh, this quarter. Um, where do you see that that dividend, um, you know, going being going forward? Uh, you know, given obviously uncertainty with the gold prices and, and what capital needs are
3: for the business. Uh,
2: well, we'll just uh, consider that as we move forward, as we gather more information on the project project pipeline, um, and that will give us uh, a direction on how do we split the pie. And the pie is really project dividend and financial flexibility uh, on the balance sheet. We don't want to sit with a lot of cash, so then it principally comes down to uh, return to shareholders and project pipeline, and on the project pipeline, we don't want to pile up capital uh, to drive CapEx up to a billion dollars again. The focus is to keep it at, you know, 700 to 800. Uh, while we still build the project up. So there's still, you know, gold price will depend on that. How we move our production to 2.2 million ounces and maybe better will also dictate some of those uh, decisions around the dividend as well.
1: Great. Thank you very much. Thank you. Your next question comes from the line of Panit Singh from Industrial Alliance. Your line is open. Great. Hey, thanks.
4: Um, I'll just focus on some of your Nunavut assets, so at Meliadine, you got some higher grades this quarter. I just want to know, as throughput steps up and Karaganiac grows, what should we expect in terms of average grades going forward at the mine? And uh, my other question would be at Meadowbank, uh, you're saying the strip ratio is going to drop in the next year. So what sort of impact would that have have on your cost per ton there? Thanks. Yeah, okay, uh, Dominic speaking.
5: Uh, at Meliadine, uh, we're going to increase the throughput at 4,600 ton, 4, tons per day, as you mentioned, uh, coming uh, with more ore coming from the pit. But the, the, the let's say the, the site is going to produce uh, in between 90 and 100,000 ounces uh, per, per quarter. So the grade is going to be, I think, uh, if you, you do the math, you are going to arrive between uh, in around 6.5 grams per ton uh, overall. And the for the, uh, the middle bank assets, um, the really the driver is, uh, one of them is the, the, the stripping ratio. So since the beginning of the year, we're mining at around 11. The fourth quarter is gonna be at 10, and next year we're gonna be between seven and eight. So that's gonna be uh, very helpful uh, for the cost, uh, as well as the ounces. Uh, we're gonna see uh, the next the next quarter is gonna be in the same area, 70, 75,000 ounces but per quarter, but we're gonna go uh, first first house in 85,000 uh, ounces per quarter and up to the 100,000 ounces per quarter. The same area, the Milliadine and Canadian Mararctic and La Ronde. And that's going to be also a very helpful uh, for the cost uh, per ounces uh, by increasing those units. Um, and this is, going to, this is going to come from with higher grade. Uh, more we go deep into the um, uh, whale tail and IVR pit, uh, the grade is going to improve. So next year is going to be starting the year uh, 3 Point four, and we're going to finish the year
6: around four uh, into uh, into mid right, Great, that's really helpful. Thank you.
1: Your next question comes from the line of Jackie Przblewski from BMO Capital Markets. Your line is open.
0: Thanks very much. I just want to circle back quick on uh, on Josh's question about the Malarctic Underground Project you mentioned in the mDNA that you're you're doing some geotechnical drilling um uh, at a potential shaft location so just uh, can you give us some color um is that is that sort of like the, the final step have you more or less settled on the shaft location or is there still um you know multiple sites that you're investigating how much more work do you think there is to be done in terms of determining the overall layout
5: well, the shaft, the study is very well advanced. Uh, in fact, I think we're like at the over ninety percent advanced, and that includes uh, to have more information with the geotechnical to understand where we're going to put it. Um, we're going to arrive with the PEA, uh, which is going to be a PA level on the resources, but we're going to be uh, more more advanced into infrastructure. Uh, the team is uh, looking how could we do it uh, as fast as we can, as we mentioned, to to minimize the uh, uh, the gap to bring answers faster uh, but we don't have we don't have the full picture yet we're going to have the first uh, vision on the economics uh, end of December okay,
0: that okay. sounds good um, it, if I could just I mean maybe make a, a jump over to the Laurent zone 5 mine uh, you've you've noted that you've um, you've had some real automation successes and, and that might open up some new opportunities, whether it's uh, deepening the mine or, or otherwise uh, finding new efficiencies. Can you give us a little bit more color on on how you're able to roll out those uh, those successes that you've achieved? And is there opportunity to kind of move that into other uh, mines as well, or or is this something that is more um, isolated, I guess, to, to the LZ5 area? Uh,
5: no, that's really the, the, what we're looking for. When we, let's say, start more be aggressive on automation, uh, the, the team said, look, let's do it at desert 5 which is going to be kind of the, our mining school to do more automation. Uh, and they are able to do their uh, part of the tonnage around uh, 15 to 20% of the tonnage fully automatic. So from the, the loading, uh, uh, the hauling, uh, up to the surface without, uh, without any driver at distance. Uh, we're not there yet at uh, La Ronde uh, because of the, the, the infrastructure and also the, the equipment that we have. But with what we're focusing right now is to really uh, where we have the highest uh, risk uh, environment. We use remote, uh, remote loading, or, sorry, remote mucking. Uh, this is done, uh, we did uh, over 50% of the mucking done in the West Mine uh, been, in the last quarter have been done automatically. But in six months from now, we're going to have now a new design where we're going to be able also to load the truck uh, automatically because we need to design the, the, uh, the area properly to do it safe. Uh, right now, it was not necessarily the case. Uh, uh, mining plan was not according to that, but more and more we go, uh, we go into that direction. And um, the vision is maybe to in 2023 to be able then to do more uh, at La Ronde having, uh, because you need to have a dedicated ramp to uh, to do hauling. Uh, but this is what we're looking. And right now, um, on the automation part, where the, the teams who did, let's say, the commissioning at at uh, LZ5 are now all at Midu at Milding. Uh people working with the suppliers. So the same people are there uh, where we're going to start. Uh, we're starting the implementation. So, yes, the idea is to to to, to replicate that everywhere.
0: That's great. It'll be exciting to see. Uh, if I could just ask one final question. Um, if, can you provide us maybe with some thoughts uh, on the equity investments that you've made recently, uh, specifically, I guess, Maple Gold Mines and Rupert? Um, like, how are you thinking about those assets? Uh, do you see those moving into of uh, full Agnico like, ownership at some point? Um where maybe where they stack up in your, in your pipeline, if if that's possible to talk about. Uh, And, and I guess just uh, finally on that point, um, uh, are you looking to add other equity investments or, or where else would you be looking at other equity investments to fill out your portfolio? Thanks.
2: Yeah. In terms of the general question on equity investments, we've, as you know, we've used that successfully since the seventies. That's where Goldex and Laurent came from. Uh, So it's an important part of the strategy. And, uh, uh, it doesn't necessarily mean if we buy something uh, that it ends up uh, wholly owned by a NICO. Some do, some don't. Uh, we trade that portfolio. I don't see the overall size of that portfolio going up much uh, because the way we're managing that now, if the team comes with something they really like, we tend to uh, take the lowest ranked um, situation within the portfolio and try to move it out in a graceful way where we're not uh, putting pressure on the stock of that junior. So. We're, we're we're sort of managing it that way. Um, as for specifics, uh, we tend not to sort of get into specifics. The more recent ones though, we can just talk about the rationale for getting involved with them. Um, the one, the most recent was Maple. Uh, that kind of made sense for us because of the large land package, the favorable geology, uh, the fact that we were able to vent in our old Jutel property, which uh, you know wasn't explored that deep. And uh, given what we know about some of our mines, which have shown that they've got tremendous life as we drill deeper, it kind of makes sense to have a revisit of that one. And it kind of made sense to uh, tie up a lot of ground in that region, because we've seen uh, some of the success that uh, other companies have had um, in those regions, the old Fenelon the project, et cetera. So there's a lot of old projects that tend to uh, are, are showing well these days as they get more focused exploration done on them. The Douay project, we've uh, we've known about it for years. We knew about it when we were operating in Jutel. Um, so the way we've approached it is that uh, we look at it uh, by stepping back and say, we're really acquiring or getting involved with a large land package uh, that is very prospective and has a lot of potential. And how do we use our skills uh, and the skills of the company that owned uh, the Douay project to put forward a sort of a high-quality exploration program. And we'll see how things unfold. Uh, there's no plans to start building anything there. Uh, in the case of Rupert, it's 50 kilometers from Kittula. Uh So one of the things that we always told ourselves or thought back in 2005, when we made a bid for Ritterhitten, which was Kittsula, is we thought that as we built Kittsula, Uh, Any sort of junior exploration success in Scandinavia would have to come and talk to us because we would be a pretty important player given the size of the Kittsala deposit and the infrastructure we were going to have to build and the team that we were going to have to put in place. Uh, Not much materialized for a number of years except for the most recent two or three years, and there's a number of things there that are going on. And our team came to us uh, several months back and said, The one we like the best out of all the things that are going on in uh, Finland and Sweden is Rupert. And so given the proximity to our operation, given our successful experience in building a high-quality business in Finland, and what goes with that, which is um, relationships and a track record of doing things properly – and an exploration budget and team there as well, we thought it made good sense to engage the Rupert team, provide some capital, and work with them on thoughts on how uh, the project can grow. So we never can say where these things ultimately end up. Uh, we've done well on that one. We've done well on Orla, which we had uh, for quite a while because it was part of Pershingo, uh way back when, when it was just the Panama. Um, so the portfolio is doing well. Uh, but we're not here to sort of turn a quick buck. Uh, we're here to see if there's anything that could fit in our pipeline looking out five to ten years. So that's how we view these things.
0: That's, that's super helpful. Thanks very much, Sean.
1: Thank you. Your next question comes from the line of Greg Barnes from TD Securities. Your line is open.
3: Yes, Thank you, Sean. It sounds like locking down your production or your project pipeline it's pretty important in terms of deciding where you go from here. It sounds like that's 12 to 18 months away. Still, is that right in terms of how you rank, uh, Arctic Underground, uh, yeah. Upper Beaver, and whatever el- whatever else is in the pipeline? Um,
2: we're we've got a good feel. Um, so what we're doing, I would describe this as uh, dotting the i's and crossing the t's. I would say now, um, and then. Um, looking at how we're going to deploy the capital. We we know that we've got projects to build. Uh, the question now is which ones will have the biggest impact uh, relative to risk and then fit them in. And, uh, you know, we could uh, build them quicker, but that doesn't really make sense to us in this market um, because our focus is to just uh, keep risk down and provide quality. And I think we all know that, in order for these shares to go up, we need new investors. And those investors tend to be uh, generally new to the space, and they're looking for different things. And as we've said before, uh, we spend a lot of our time when we talk to these new potential investors talking about risk. So our pipeline and how we manage it is really about risk. And one of the reasons that we've always tended to want to own 100% of our projects was so we could dictate the pace of uh, when we spend and not just on what we spend and how we spend it but when we spend it and uh, given that we have control of them all except for our partner on canadian malarctic with humana and we're both aligned there we've got the ability to stage them properly so that will be the focus i think it's more it's that plus it's also uh, in some of the recent exploration it looks like it's going to impact 2027 to 2032 certainly east goldie would do that uh, certainly La um, at depth would do that as well. Uh, Kittsula has the potential to maybe boost production, but, you know, we already have a long life mine there. Uh, so we need to just understand how that would fit. Does it give us a multiple, another source of ore to go to 2.5 million tons? So each of them has the specific thing that we're trying to figure out. But um, given our experience, we're, we're, we're quite a long ways away. I wouldn't say 18 months. I'd say 6 to 12 months um, is probably more like it.
3: So by this time next year, we'll have a, a progression laid out of how these things will will fold into the pipeline.
2: Yeah, and I think we'll have a better visibility on 27 to 32. Like right? we could say now we're pretty comfortable that you know 2 million ounces is good for 10 years, but you know is that number 2.2? We don't know. We're trying to. That's what we're trying to also to sort out as we look to add high quality resources at existing mines because. In some cases, it extends the mine life. And if you look at Malartic, the pit is ending in 26, maybe 27. Uh, We're still trying to sort that out. Uh, That's the way everybody perceived that project. Uh, We were starting to get results that was kind of changing our view uh, 18 months ago, um, but really early. And uh, luckily, we have people that have been through that phase and how things unfold there. Uh, But now it's pretty clear that you know, you could see something that goes from 27 to 2040 there, or maybe beyond. Again, it's early. We don't know. But those are the types of things we're, we're trying to get more clarity
1: on right now. Thanks, Your next question comes from the line of John Tomazos from John Tomazos, very independent research. Your line is open.
6: Congratulations on all the success. Thank you, John. Could you explain the uh, 37,860 ounces of pre-production um, underground at Malartic year-to-date, mostly in the third quarter? I think it's the the biggest pre-production I re- I can recall. Was it something like a five-meter stringer that was multi-multi-ounce? No, or I think that would some- be Barnett's.
2: Yeah, I think that would be the Barnett pre-production ounces.
6: Is it, so is have, it more like 200 meters or 100,000 tons, grades four-tenths of an ounce? or you know, talk about the configuration of the development, Muck?
2: Yeah, I'm just uh, checking. Dominic, do you oh, I think that's from Barnett? So I don't think it was Malardic Underground you you, said we're not there again, I might have
6: the names wrong. Excuse that, Yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah, so that was the development of the open pit um, at uh, Barnett. And so we were producing uh, development tons ahead of um, hitting commercial production, which we achieved at the end of uh, September.
6: So it was waste stripping? Yes. Yes. As you go underground, are you hitting any surprises where there's uh, mineral where you don't expect it? Um,
2: well, I think it's too early now, um, but I think the expectation, and this is really around uh, East Goldie, we know the development ramp has just started. We know that we'll be having development month from uh, the zones in the upper part of that opportunity. That's lower grade material. That's in the 2-gram range, whereas Odyssey has areas in it which are 4, 5, and 6 grams. Um, so our expectation is when we get into that zone, uh, we'll see the much higher grades. But what we're still trying to figure out, and that's going to one of the previous questions, is there will be underground development coming out of the uh, development ramp um, that's going underground at the Malaric. Uh, we're just trying to quantify all that as part of uh, the studies. Um, so that could have an impact uh, much before uh, 2027. Uh, so there is a, a potential bump that we'll see there. And as for grades, we're just not there uh, yet. We have drill holes, but uh, we don't have development mark from there yet.
6: Thank you.
1: Your next question comes from the line of Anita Sony from CIBC World Markets. Your line is open.
0: Hi. Just snuck in under the wire there. So. Um, uh, most questions have been answered, so I just was curious, um, can you talk about um, exploration budgets? I think you talked about um, them increasing next year. Do you have an yeah. idea broadly of the, um, the
3: the magnitude of what you're looking at for um, next yeah.
2: year? Yeah, We've, um, as we go through the budgeting process, and we haven't landed anywhere, uh, but what yeah. we said to Guy um uh, as we said, as we go through the budgeting process based on the return the results that were coming in during Q3, uh, why don't you look in the neighborhood of a 50% bump, which would be roughly $50 million, and allocate that to uh, some of these projects where uh, we've got wide open intersections. Um, that could have a meaningful impact on the value of the deposit, and you need to tell us one other thing. You need to tell us, if we invest X of that $50 million, what is your expectation in terms of what we'll see at the end of the year in terms of additional resource ounces, and where will they be? So. That's the way we're going to make the decision. Um, so I'd mm-hmm. say max is 50%. It may come out to be less than that because we're not just going to spend it to spend it. We need to spend it to make sure that it's going to add the ounces.
0: Okay, thank you very much. That's all I have. Thank you.
1: Your next question comes from the line of Carrie Mercury from Canaccord Genuity. Your line is open.
3: Hi, good, good afternoon. Um,
1: Sean, you mentioned that
3: you know, the malarctic underground isn't a slam dunk. And other than, you know, making a call on resources, as as you mentioned, is there anything that stands out from a risk perspective?
2: Well, I, I say that because it's a big project and it's early. So we've been around long enough to know that we're dealing with nature at the end of the day. And although we're confident because of the skills that we have living and working in that region, and we've done it before and we've seen it before, from that aspect, we know the skills are all there, and we know that the Canadian Malartic team, um, you know, has exceptional skills, and Iman and Niko will build adi- bring additional skills to the table. But right now, we're working off of 150-meter drill spacing. Um, although the, the project and the deposit, particularly at East Goldie, uh, you know, looks good in terms of continuity, but we still have to do the infill drilling. Um, So we're just cautious um, in that regard, and we're, you know, our. If you see results coming out from us, we're using cap grades. Uh, You know, the grades are higher uh, if you don't cap them, uh, which I think is important. But it's just the way we sort of approach it and think about things. Um, I I don't want to. Maybe I use the word slam dunk wrong. Um, It wasn't that we view the project as being a very challenging. Uh, project filled with a lot of risk Um, we just view it as there's a lot of work still to do we've done a lot of that work before on other mines we know we can do the work but we still have to do the work and that's why we don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves Um, but I think we are excited
3: so in terms of just general timing post the PEA like when would a shaft even be breaking ground and or is there going to be a PFS to follow
2: yeah, I've just, Dominic's going to jump in here, but I think that uh, that really drives the timing. Um, so if you have to talk about a production gap or how you could manage that, uh, part of managing that will be decisions around shaft sinking and timing of making that decision. So we'll be mindful of that uh, when we're sort of considering that, but it all has to sort of fit um, and it all has to be done in a way that. Uh, we're not cutting corners. So Dominic's got some thoughts on the shaft.
5: Yeah, what we said, uh, we agree with the team, is to push as much as you can on the engineering to be ready uh, when we're gonna have the economic and to take a decision that the engineering is willing to advance. Uh, we are in a good position for that. So when we're gonna see uh, and the fit, the economic and everything with works, let's say procurement works and stuff like that could start uh, next year.
3: Great. Thank you, guys.
1: Your next question comes from the line of Tanya Jakuskinik from Scotiabank. Bank. Your line is open.
7: Great. Uh, good morning, everybody. Um,
1: morning.
7: Uh, good morning. Um, maybe just Dominic that I have you on. If you can just continue on Canadian Malartic. So, would it be fair to to see this um, opportunity starting? You know, as a you know, a mining from from the decline for for a few years. Um, in that lower grade ore of that two to two and a half grams per ton, and then moving up to um, East Goldie, which is in the three grams per ton, you know, you know,
5: three four years out after that. Yeah, that's that's what will happen, and this is the, what the team is looking for uh, to as early as we can to start to have some development ore, and at some point some stopping from the ramp. Uh, During that time also to extend the pit, a barnet pit, could we do a bit bigger? Could we do a a pushback? Uh, We have a low, low low-grade stockpile uh, also. uh, With the current cool price, uh, those stockpiles might make sense. So we're gonna put everything together to extend the pit, start to uh, beef up with the ramp uh, or material, and at some point we're gonna have the shafts more later. I don't know, 20, 27-ish. Uh, that could could be the shaft ready, and then we we're back to the same uh, close, maybe to the same production we're doing right now. Okay. okay.
7: And 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 I know that we talked about, um, or, or or your joint venture partner talked about a scenario of of ramping up to 20,000 tons per day from the underground as as a complex. Is that something that you see as reasonable over
5: time? Uh, I don't want to have the detail to to, to yeah. speak about that. Uh, yeah, we're
2: not uh, we're not there yet, Tanya. Uh, on that, that's
5: why we're sort of
2: not. We don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves here. There's still some work to do. Um, but I think well, maybe that's driven off of their excitement for East Goldie when you see thickness and you see grade and you see multiple sources of ore. I know uh, about 18 months ago, Yvonne Silvestre, his office was next to mine, and he came in and he said, this has the potential to be a sizable underground mine with multiple sources of ore. Um, so, you know, you can pick a number. Uh, we're not going to put a number out. We'll wait for the study.
7: Okay. And so so just what Dominic mentioned is that we could get in 2027, when we, you know, have the East Goldie there, something to
5: a similar rate that we are today producing. Yeah. Again, that needs to be to be looked in detail with uh, how, when we're going to add all the uh, deposit together, but yeah, that's, that's the objective, to, 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 to reach back, to, to keep that uh, that asset as, uh, as, as it is right yeah, now. Yeah, I think, Tanya, you
2: know, there, those are important questions, and we don't have the answers to those questions. I think the important question is, is there a gap? Um, how long is the potential gap? Uh, what is, What can we do to maybe minimize the gap? Uh, what does the production fall to uh, during the potential gap, I think is important. Also what's important is, uh, you know, this uh, this idea that we could have a mine that's producing the same as it's producing today, we haven't made that call, Um, you know, because you're going to have a mine that's significantly lower tonnage but better grade. What is that tonnage? What is that grade? It's still a few years away, uh, so that's why we don't want to get too far ahead here. Oh, we like it.
7: Yeah. Yeah. Appreciate that. Maybe then just for 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 the resource estimate that we're expecting um, with year-end numbers, would it be safe to assume, um, Dominic, that that's mainly coming from the East Goldie, and and we shouldn't expect so much from from the rest of the deposits?
5: Uh, I will pass the the question to Guy on that.
3: Yeah, you're right, uh, Tania. The the growth will come from East Goldie mostly. Okay.
5: And if I could put one
7: more question in to, to Sean. Um, just Sean, just on, on I, you know, you have a lot going in, in the northern uh, business, I, I just wonder about the, the, the southern business strategy, um, you know, it looks like we have a few little things at, at the mine site, but is there something more beyond that in terms of opportunities that are public or private that you could grow that business in Mexico?
2: Um, yeah, there's a few things that the team is working on. Uh, order of magnitude in terms of financial dollars, it's small, uh, but they like the geology. They're relatively new in terms of uh, our engagement with them. Um, so you know, it's unfortunate in Mexico, uh, we've got a fabulous team uh, that have done an exceptional job. Uh, it's almost like the business currently is relegated to working satellite deposits. Uh, waiting for that next opportunity. So there's a few things we're working on. Uh, as I said, not significant, anywhere near significant relative to our overall size uh, that the team down there likes. Um, so we'll see how that unfolds. But uh, order of magnitude, they're tens of millions of dollars and not, not hundreds of millions of dollars.
7: Okay. Well, good. it will be good to see some some opportunities down there. Yep. Thank you.
2: Very good.
1: Thank you. There are no further questions. I turn the call back to you for closing comments.
2: Thank you, Operator. Thanks, everyone. Uh, Sorry we went a little bit long and cut into lunch. But if there's any follow-up questions, give us a call. Thanks again.
1: That concludes today's conference call. You may now disconnect.